Welcome everyone to the L7C podcast and today we have a very special episode for you guys. Today we have Chelsea Police back with us. How are you doing today ma'am? I'm doing well. And we are going to be hitting a couple of topics today. As everyone has already listened, Chelsea's first episode was just women and sports in general. And today we're going to tackle some pretty hot topics in the past couple months. Uh, the Simone Bias, if you want to call it a controversy, the commercial controversy, the Atlanta Senator versus the WNBA, some news today um, that's happened, and just a couple of things going that we're just going to hit. So let us start with the gymnast goat and one of the all-around goats of all of sports, Simone Biles. And Chelsea, she had a commercial with Uber Eats um, with one of the guys from Queer Eye, Jonathan Van Ness, or as, since he is big in the world, he has an acronym now, JBN. And she got some flack for doing this commercial. So, do you want to talk, like, where's the flack coming from? What do you think about this flack? How do you, like, how are you seeing it? Well, first of all, love Simone Biles. Um, love her as an athlete and just as a person overall. In terms of the controversy, which, in my opinion, really shouldn't be a controversy, uh, she, uh, like you mentioned, um, has a... Um, agreement with Uber Eats and JVN and a ultra conservative group came out and said that this commercial, these these advertisements were pressing a, an LGBTQ agenda on the United States youth, which to me is just absolutely unbelievable that that's even an issue today. Simone came out and, and tweeted about this and said, I will always support the LGBTQ community, which I absolutely respected from her um, to be able to use her platform and, and certainly step up and say, I have no issues with this and, and you as a society shouldn't either. Um, she has really come into her own over the last several years standing up for what she believes in and what th she thinks is right. She's been extremely vocal the last several months um, with the presidential election and encouraging people to vote and just being a voice in the sports world, which I think is great for her. Right. Agreed. The group was called One Million Moms. Yes. Never heard of them until this situation and i think this situation with the one million moms took away from the bright spot of this commercial i don't think in recent memory well besides obviously people on like the women's soccer team but like just one star doing a commercial with a prominent uh gay actor actress like, you don't, like, I'm definitely in the male sports. I'm not seeing, like, LeBron James doing a commercial with someone from, like, where I, it's not like it's their fault or anything like that. It's just seeing Simone do it. I'm like, 
well, as you've already talked about her talking about the election, it makes great sense. And I actually think it's a great stride for sports in her doing that. And hopefully more athletes will do that, especially some men. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great marketing technique from Uber Eats to enlist the help of this just really well-known athlete and somebody who's so well-known in pop culture. Um, to have that kind of relationship just shows that, you know, our society is changing and that there's this overlap in, in you know, sports, but also in life in general. Right. I, I agree. So more power to Miss Simone. Hopefully, I think this has already died down. I know there was a petition and there was like 7,000 signatures saying that it should be taken down uber eats already went to usa today saying they're not taking it down and of course one million moms did not uh, comment to usa but i do wonder out of that one million moms group how many of them have sat in their house and cried during those episodes of queer eye yeah that's a really great question and and my response to those people is just don't order from uber eats if it bothers you that much find a different company to do your food delivery i mean it's not that difficult it's it's an advertisement two people have come together to do this advertisement and you don't have to buy into the product like it you have your own free will to be able to make that decision for yourself but don't say that a company is is forcing a particular agenda on your children because two people did a commercial together. Now, do you think the commercial had the issues because of what Jonathan was wearing, because he was wearing the same stuff as Simone, or like it's just because he was in it? I'm going to guess probably his outfit has some to do with it and just him in general, like, you know, people know him, know him from Queer Eye, what he stands for. He also is very vocal. He's an activist as well. So I'm sure that had part of it, a part of it to do with it. But to me, you can look past those things. And like I said, just don't get food from Uber Eats. Like it's not it's just not that difficult. Right. I mean, yeah, you heard it from the lady here, folks. You don't you have a problem with it? Don't order from Uber Eats. And I think that's all we have on that. Both saying, way to go, Simone. Keep it up. Next, let's talk about the WNBA. And I think one of the biggest stories that is getting severely underreported, especially since it involves a U.S. senator, uh, Senator Kelly Lufflier from Atlanta. She's the Atlanta Dream co-owner, and this has been ongoing for months. She introduced a bill that would effectively ban trans girls and women from playing publicly funded sports, potentially affecting thousands of youth, high school, and collegiate athletes nationwide. Uh, She clashed with the WNBA previously in their support of Black Lives Matter and Say Her Name. And obviously a campaign highlighting black women killed by police. So she is an owner of a WNBA team, yet pushing a bill to limit women's sports, which just sounds asinine 
So Chelsea, I want to ask you, how do you feel about that? I did not know that there was a bill presented in that respect. So that I think, you know, increases my opinion on this and the fact that she should not be in a WNBA owner. She clearly does not align her own personal values with the values of the WNBA and being this league that is inclusive and progressive and open to any person. So for me, I, I don't think she should be in the league at all. The other thing that's interesting about this whole situation is she was not elected. Um, she was basically dropped into this Senate position. So it's not as if the the people of, of Georgia voted her in that role. She was essentially handed that that position in the Senate. So I think that's also pro- problematic. Like clearly she does not speak for the people. She certainly doesn't speak for the individuals who make the team that she owns. Uh, she clearly doesn't believe in, in the social justice initiatives, which again, I just don't understand where that perspective comes from. And I was a bit disappointed that the, the WNBA didn't take additional steps to kind of remove her from that position. Um, I know it's probably a little bit more difficult to do that than just simply saying like you can no longer own the team, but it it kind of blows my mind that she would even want to own a team where she clearly doesn't believe in in what's being done in the league. I mean, certainly money is is obviously involved in all of this, but it's just really disappointing when, when the women in the WNBA have been so progressive have been so at the forefront of all of this and it's absolutely incredible what they were able to do in terms of you know generating money and awareness about her opponent in that race and was able to i think have a hand in forcing a runoff in january which is incredible and something that we have not seen in the past in sport and this is something that I talk a lot about with this intersection of sport and politics and and people consistently say they don't want politics and sports to intertwine but there's just absolutely no way around um their intersection they're just so intertwined and there's just no way around that yeah and an update on that bill as well there was 17 other states who introduced a similar bill that she was trying to introduce and only one has passed and that was in idaho so that is that my thing with her is with her being an owner of a sports team i guess from a selfish standpoint that would potentially hurt her sports team in the future because you're kind of limiting the potential WNBA stars that are going to be made through these youth programs and things of that nature by introducing that bill. So I don't understand what she would do from a financial gain. And then from just a moral gain is that you see these girls every day, almost. You're the owner of the team. So you're the one signing Cone or whatever she is. She's the one signing the checks. So I don't understand how that makes a positive work environment 
And I don't know how a woman is supposed to put on a jersey and play for you, knowing that you're making bills to basically hurt women. Yeah, totally agree. And and what's to say that those players don't decide one day that they're just not going to play for this individual? I mean, certainly they would take a final financial hit themselves by by choosing to boycott or just simply saying we won't take the court until, you know, this person is ousted. But I don't know that they'll ever come to that given, you know, the high stakes. But at the same time, I think if any league were going to do something that drastic, it would be the WNBA because they have 100% been at the forefront of some of these initiatives. And, you know, at the end of the day, they don't get the credit for the things that they do. They they do it quietly. They do it without much recognition. And I really, really applaud them for their ability to still do all of those things when, you know, men's leagues get all of the praise and recognition for you know social justice initiatives or other things that that are happening when at the end of the day the WNBA are are truly making a huge impact in their own communities yeah and then i don't know if she still has her seat i didn't check um georgia's stuff after the election i do know that this situation it kind of reminds me of the Sterling situation that used to be with the Clippers, and then the NBA forced him to sell his team. So I don't know if that's the next step that these ladies have to go through to be like, hey, you got to sell whatever you own in the Atlanta team, and you just got to go because they're not going to play for you. That's bad for business if they have a whole team not playing for you. And even if they stop playing for her, other teams around the league will say, oh, we're just the way the WNBA is, we won't play as long as he's an owner there, too. So then you have the whole WNBA not playing just because of this one owner, potentially, and that's something that you don't want to do. You already don't make enough money as is. You don't want to lose more because of one one owner. Yeah, that would be incredible if, if all teams in WNBA just said, we're not going to play. We're going to, you know, essentially do a lockout and say we're not going to play until this individual is no longer a part of our league. To to kind of answer your question about the results of the election, there aren't technically any results. So they're going to a runoff, which will take place in January. So she doesn't, at this point, hasn't retained her seat. Uh, so we'll see in January who will officially get that position. So It'll be really interesting to see what happens, and I and I hope that the WNBA continues to to push for a change at in the Senate, but also at the at the league level as well. And we will definitely be keeping an eye on that for all of the listeners out there. Next, I do want to talk about the women in sports media and the toxic masculinity, as it's called, that they have to deal with in the sports media. This is coming from, this was months ago with the Washington, the Washington football team's report about misconduct in the workplace. You always hear about women reporters being sometimes uneasy in the locker rooms, doing interviews because either players or GMs or things of that nature. 
uh, trying to force themselves on them or trying to do interviews naked, things of that nature. And I know you've been in tune with all that stuff for a majority of your adult life. So I just want to ask if there's any way to, A, get rid of the toxic masculinity, or B, is there not a way to get rid of it? That's a tough question. I think, you know, the first thing I will say is women are not going anywhere. We are going to continue to make a name for ourselves in the sport industry, whether it's in the media, in the front office, as athletes, whatever it is, we are here to stay. So the fact that this whole issue of toxic masculinity is still a thing in 2020 really blows my mind. And and maybe blows my mind isn't the right phrase to use because at times it's really not surprising to me. But th- the fact that we have things where, you know, female reporters have access to the locker rooms because they're doing their job and, you know, that constantly gets questioned by athletes, front office people is is ridiculous. I can remember a time where Cam Newton um, was asked a question about a receiver running a route by a female reporter. And he said, you know about running routes as if she didn't do her research, you know, prior to being in the locker room, hasn't been around sport her entire life or throughout her career. So it's things like that just really grind my gears when it comes to this idea that it almost feels as if people don't believe that women belong in that, those spaces. And and that's just not true. I, I have met some incredible women who work in sports media who work harder than anybody you'll ever meet. And, and they have to do that because they have to prove themselves. And, and there have been issues I can think of Sarah Spain and her last name's Dakara. She's um, also kind of a beat writer, sort of. And they did a video um, kind of describing this issue of toxic masculinity where they forced men to read tweets that they had received. And some of them were death threats. Some of them were telling them to go back to the kitchen and make a sandwich. Other instances where that they hope they got assaulted. and. And you just see the look on these men's faces when they have to read this and have to come to terms with the fact that women receive this sort of hate every single day for simply doing their job. And, uh, you know, I it's really difficult for me because I, you know, I've been in those situations where men don't really believe that I should be in that space. I, I throughout my educational journey have been in fields that are male dominated. And so you just have to continue to put your head down and work hard and work through all of that. But it becomes really, really exhausting for, for us to have to continually prove ourselves and, and also deal with issues of that there's a possibility that someone could, you know, if you're in a room with a man by yourself, like that something could happen. Unfortunately, it's a reality and, and we have to be extra vigilant about those types of situations because we are vulnerable and and I hate that it's like that and I hate that we have to you know put that extra kind of thoughts in our mind but it, it's a reality and I think it's difficult sometimes for men to really understand what that's like on, on those points, points that's the same thing they need 
sensitive tra- sensitivity training is an interesting concept and and absolutely i think that it's something that should be acknowledged in organizations because everybody has inherent biases have things that they don't you know necessarily understand but i also think you know sometimes it can make us feel a little awkward that we even have to have conversations like that so it's kind of a catch-22 and certainly it's if it's done right and done in a in a way that's then yeah absolutely it should be done but oftentimes sensitivity training is you know something that's very generic and kind of just gets at the surface of of the issue and and really doesn't get at the true issue or underlying issue that that's being experienced so it's difficult to say yes to that question because it's just not always the best training session or just people don't put in the time and effort to make it worthwhile or make it so that people are going to understand why sensitive sensitivity training is necessary and why the organization itself needs it agreed agreed I mean, you already said women aren't going anywhere, so we got to make it better. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just a reality that that we face, and and it's just unfortunate that still in 2020 there are reports like the Washington football team coming out and that women are experiencing those sort of things in in this current day and age. Um, it's just just really unfortunate. Uh, all we can do is be better but to move forward you sent me a tweet from hope solo what what's she talking about so espn fc tweeted about cristiano ronaldo being within eight goals of the um, international goal scoring record However, the issue that with that tweet and why Hope Solo quote tweeted it and responded herself is that Christine Sinclair is currently the international uh, leading scorer. And so ESPN FC basically ignored the fact that a woman holds that title and Cristiano Ronaldo is actually nowhere near her record. So essentially, they're saying that a men's sport supersedes the um, accomplishments of what Canadian Christine Sinclair has done. And Abby Wambach held that title before she did. And Mia Hamm held it before Abby Wambach. So it's been held by women for decades. But yet we just kind of, as a society, overlook that fact that the the international scoring record for women is significantly higher and um certainly is well above the record that cristiano ronaldo is uh looking to take the place of or take that title of so that's why i sent that to you and i i thought it was funny that she just basically was like 
hey, when are we going to just recognize that women exist and that we play sport and we hold records? And I thought it was genius on her part. She, you know, whatever opinion you have about Hope Solo and how she acts, I will say she is a champion for women in making sure that they receive the recognition that they deserve. She is 100% a controversial figure when it comes to, you know, history of soccer and and her role in some things on the national team and and some of her extracurricular activities, things like that. But at the end of the day, she was the United States' best goalkeeper in history. There is no arguing that. She has numerous accomplishments and she will stick up for those women that she has played against played fo- played with and who will come after her and i just i give her major props for that first week i had no idea about the women's the international no i had no idea so you just said so so did espn apologize or correct? i have no idea they deleted the tweets shortly after so i assume that not only her response but many people were probably in their their mentions you know saying yo like women's soccer exists and there are people who have more goals than cristiano ronaldo so i i don't I don't know what what they did. And I actually don't follow ESPN FC. I only happen to see it because I follow Hope Solo. So definitely didn't look at that. But yeah, it's it just blows my mind that we just historically forget about women's sports and what women's athletes accomplish in those sports. And then to go off of what you said about forget, the Marlins, Miami Marlins, they hired Kim, and I don't know how to say her last name, and it's literally just two letters. It's an N and a G. As the general manager, general manager of the team, and Miami got it right, saying she's the highest among male sports, like as a GM-wise, but I think it was another site, Sports Center, like that, who said she was the first female GM in professional sports, which is clearly inaccurate since there's GMs in women's sports. Yeah, first want to say huge win for women in terms of her becoming the GM for the Marlins. Like, that's massive. Um, Huge congratulations to her. Like, that's a huge step. She's been a pretty high-ranking official in baseball for quite some time. Um, have seen that, you know, people have just been singing her praises all day. Congratulations across the board. People saying that she, you know, undoubtedly deserves that position. So it's 100% great that that she is in that position and certainly paving the way for other women to, to enter that front office role, you know, moving forward, which is great. But yeah, to your point about the way that information is portrayed is problematic and and yeah i saw several tweets that said she was the first female gm in professional sports which to your point is absolutely false there are 
uh, GMs in the WNBA who are women. There are some NWSL GMs that are women in the NWHL as well. There are GMs who are women. So it's not the first time that we've seen this. It's the first time that we've seen it in a professional men's sport. And, and yep. that distinction is actually very important. And this is something that we actually see in the NCAA quite a bit. So if you look at uh, championships in the NCAA, it's for basketball, for instance, it's March Madness or the NCAA basketball championship. With the women's, it's the women's final four. Um, for the men, it's just the final four. So we always are making this distinction that the men's game is more important. And this was brought up with the college cup for soccer. So for the men, it's just the NCAA college cup. For the women, it's the NCAA Women's College Cup. And so there have been people out there that do a lot of research and things, some academics and even some coaches that have said men's sports should not be the default. It You should 100% always put that men's versus women's in the description of whatever sport you're talking about. Because... It's we shouldn't automatically assume that we're talking about a men's sport. And and that's going to be easier said than done because we're so trained to think that men's sports are the end all be all. When in reality, we have this whole other side of sport that includes some incredible women and girls and, and athletes who are a part of the sport industry that just don't get the same recognition. I. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. I was just even thinking about the women's final four that was held in Columbus, Ohio, and that was when Notre Dame won the title, I believe. And I'm blanking on her name, but she made both buzzer beaters in the final four and the national championship game, and that was right here in downtown Columbus, and that was one of the most impressive tournament runs I've seen from a man or a woman. So that was cool. And I just feel like their tournament needs to be promoted more uh, to be on an equal level with the men. I just know the men's tournament just that there's more betting involved. And you could still make brackets with the women's tournaments. I just don't understand why people don't do that. That's another cash avenue that people could explore. But that's those are questions for the big dogs at the NCA office. Yeah, it's an indie, but absolutely. And actually, when Twitter started doing like posting scores of sports, like when they did that update, and now you can see just like everything that's kind of going on at one time, and and can scroll scroll through scores. At first, they they simply just had NCAA basketball when referring to the men's games that were happening at the time. And then they had NCAA women's basketball. And I think there were enough people out there that raised some concerns or called Twitter out on that. And you, there was a point where you saw a shift where now it, it says NCAA men's basketball and NCAA women's basketball, which I think is an important step um, because men's sports shouldn't be the default. Agreed. Agreed. Speaking with the default, how are 
women's sports feeling. We're in November now, close to mid-November. Uh, 2020 is going to be over in a month or so. How has women's sports been able to deal with COVID to this point? Well, I would say they've been really successful through COVID. The The viewership numbers have increased. Um, I mean, the NWSL saw an increase on viewership of almost 500%, which is incredible. Now, let's talk about why that is. You know, there wasn't a whole lot on TV, but at the same time, that tells you that there is a desire to watch women's sports. And and we've talked about this in the last podcast, but, you know, to, to see viewership numbers like that and to see an increase like that in the middle of the pandemic, pretty impressive. Additionally, the, there were there was an increase in viewership with the WNBA as well. And And again, like people have said consistently that there is a market for women's sports and, and people are like, no, they simply say that there isn't. But if you give them a chance, you're going to see some success. The thing that I saw recently in a tweet was about people who are writers for the WNBA and, and an important distinction that was made was we see that writers who focus on the NBA write throughout the season as well as the off season so there is constantly coverage on the nba whether they're in season or not this tweet that i said or this tweet i saw was talking about how that's not true for the wnba that oftentimes those writers have to go find other jobs or have to write on other topics because there just aren't the same stories in the wnba and what the tweet was trying to get people to understand is that you need to continue to write about the WNBA even though they're not in season. So people do care about what's happening and if you're going to focus on what's happening in the off season with the NBA, you should be doing the same thing with the WNBA. And by doing that, you're going to create this consistent messaging, this consistent flow of information where people are engaging and consuming information about the WNBA. So if you keep the hype going when the WNBA season starts back up, whenever that might be, people are still going to be interested in that. But if you take a three-month period off where you're just not talking about them, people are going to you know, do this thing where they kind of forget about it and then suddenly the season starts and they're like, oh yeah, maybe I should be interested in this again. But you want to keep building on what has been created through COVID and make sure that that continues and that the WNBA continues to grow. And I hope that TV networks really see what happened in these last six months with viewership and take advantage of that and understand that people truly do want to watch them and that they become more readily available to people to watch. Now, Chelsea, is there anything else you want to talk about i did have a couple of topics that i wanted to bring up but i actually do want to save them for the next time we're on so we can give them the proper time they deserve especially the since there is another form of sport women in esports because i feel like that gets the worst from the women dealing in the public workplace to the way they dress I feel like it deals with every bad thing we've talked about into, it's funny, that one thing playing with controllers 
as the worst of what women deal with. So I do want to give that its own beginning episode so it can get its own time that that deserves. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think that I have anything else to add. I think, you know, I, I sent you a few things. You sent me a few things. I think we covered those. Unless you have anything else you can think of. Uh, since we weren't on, uh, congratulations to Megan Rapino and Subert. Yes. Uh, so happy. Uh, absolutely thrilled for them. You know, massive power couple. Yeah, love to see it. Um, but also, I was really hyped last night because Tobin Heath and Kristen Press are potentially coming to Louisville to join Racing Louisville FC, which is incredible. Um, super excited for them. Hopefully they sign them and can get them to Louisville so I can see them play before I potentially relocate. But yes, Sue Bird, Megan Rapino, love them both. Um, just I I don't I can't say anything more. Like I just was so hyped when I saw that and it just makes me so happy because, you know, even the last six months we've just seen them just grow into this incredible couple, but also like they have their own experiences in terms of what they've gone through and being vocal in their own ways, but they just mesh so well together that it it just, I'm just so happy for them. And this summer when they were doing some of their Instagram lives, I've never laughed so hard in my life. Like the two of them are so entertaining and just like the chemistry is just unreal between the two of them. I act like I know them, but I, clearly I don't. But I do have Sue Bird's autograph, so that counts for something, right? Oh, that and that. Hey, I mean, we don't have it over here, so it makes you more famous having a famous person's yeah, autograph. But thrilled yeah. for them for sure. Yeah, I think that was a bright, bright spot. Trying to think. I don't think we've we've hit on a lot of a lot of important things. And we still got a lot more important things to have you come back on since you did so well and the people wanted you back. So we just gotta make sure we have you back on a more frequent basis. Appreciate it. And with that being said, thank you everyone for listening to the L7C podcast. Thank you, Chelsea, for being back on with us again. If you guys haven't listened to her first episode, Women in Sports, scroll down, give that a listen. It's under an hour. It's a very great, informative listen. So make sure you guys listen to that before you listen to this so that you catch how we're connecting both the episodes. And then the next time when we are on, We'll be talking about women in like esports, and obviously there'll be stories that'll happen between now and the next time we're on, and we'll definitely cover that for you guys. So, with that being said, Chelsea, I will give you the last word for the audience. Yeah, I just want to say thanks for for listening to the first one, hanging with me. I've really enjoyed being able to kind of talk about something that just means so much to me. I I just love talking about sport and and certainly love to talk about the great things that women are doing in sport. So certainly appreciate the opportunity and definitely look forward to getting to chat with with you um, again. And with that being said, thank you everyone for listening once again. Take care. 
thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.